There's a saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but that's stupid because humans aren't dogs. We're way better than them at learning tricks, and in the world of mixed martial arts, fighters are getting better all the time. Now, this process is normally gradual, taking long periods to occur as the athlete hones and crafts their skills over the course of their career. Think guys like Michael Bisping, Dustin Poirier, and Max Holloway. Clear and steady progression. But every once in a while, a fighter will make a huge leap out of the clear blue sky. And no, I'm not talking about someone like Vitor Belfort looking like the Hulk again in 2013. I'm talking about fighters who had average MMA careers and surprised us all by suddenly becoming major forces in the sport seemingly overnight. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are 10 fighters who leveled up out of nowhere. Number 10, Charles Oliveira. As of this writing, Charles Oliveira sits at third in the UFC's lightweight rankings, but many fans see him as number one, and if he's not fighting for a vacant title soon, there's intrigue about the idea of him competing against retired champ Habib Nurmagomedov. Intrigue because there's a good chance it could be competitive. It even made our list of fights we need to see in 2021, and rightfully so. Oliveira absolutely dominated Tony Ferguson at UFC 256, leaving no doubt that he's a top-tier contender at 155 pounds. But that wasn't always the case. Let's go back 11 years to when Charlie Olive's first entered the UFC. He could never seem to get over the hump. He was clearly talented, as is evident by his 10 performance bonuses and record for most submissions in UFC history. But any time he made progress, he'd find a way to fall short. His first loss was a knee bar to Jim Miller at UFC 124, then he had a weird no contest with Nick Lentz, gets TKO'd by Cowboy Cerrone, strings together two wins, bumps down to featherweight, a division he would miss weight in three times, loses two back-to-back, -back, strings together some more, loses two of his next three. You get the pattern. Holloway, Swanson, Edgar, Pettis, he was losing the top-tier talent, but it seemed after eight years that maybe this was as good as he was going to get. Then he switched camps to shoot -a box Diego Lima and returned to lightweight, winning nine of his next ten while scoring finishes in every single victory but his absolute domination of Ferguson, becoming the guy to beat in the division. He also changed his hair. Talk about a glow-up. Number 9. Rose Nama Yunus Coach John Hackleman once told me that you really don't know who a fighter is before 10 professional bouts, and wow was that ever the case with Rose Nama Yunus. The relatively small size of the women's strawweight division in 2013 meant the rise up in the ranks would be much quicker for a young fighter than in divisions that were more established. Nama Yunus dazzled in Invicta, scoring two submissions of the night back-to-back -to, -back to start her career, including a 12-second flying armbar, only to come up short on the cards in her next bout against Tisha Torres. It's here that a pattern of falling short once things reached a new level would begin to emerge. Rose made her way through season 20 of The Ultimate Fighter, but then failed to capture the inaugural strawweight title against Carla Esparza. Nama Yunus would then put three wins together, but when she found herself in a title eliminator with Karolina Kovalkiewicz, she would again come up short. A high-profile victory over Michelle Waterson landed Rose in a second title bout, this time against the unbeaten Joanna Janjacek, who many were crowning the pound-for-pound -pound best female fighter in the world at that time. Rose hovered around a minus 700 underdog coming into the fight. Nobody had a clue we'd be in for a near-flawless performance and TKO stoppage of Joanna champion in the first three minutes of the fight. Rose had broken whatever barrier was holding her back and made a leap so far ahead, there was an immediate rematch just to make sure it wasn't a fluke. And it was not. Nama Yunus dominated the second fight, this time to a decision, leaving absolutely no doubt. Number 8. Robert Whittaker Sometimes a fighter's simply in the wrong weight class, and that was absolutely the case with Bobby Knuckles, aka Robert Knuckles. Whitaker was doing okay at welterweight for a while, he did win a season of The Ultimate Fighter, but following back-to-back -back losses to Court McGee and Wonderboy Thompson, the Reaper realized that his natural weight had shifted a bit, and staying at welterweight was cutting into his ability to train, as he would have low energy because he really couldn't eat as much as his body needed. So he decided being able to train and not be completely depleted going into a fight was more important than having a frame that was a bit undersized for middleweight, and made his debut against Clint 
Hester in November 2014, a fight that would score him a double bonus. From there, Whitaker would put together three more victories in a row before burning through top contenders Derek Brunson and Jacare Souza in back-to-back performance of the night performances. BK would capture UFC gold in his very next fight against terrifying superhuman Yoel Romero, and but for a single loss to current champion Israel Adesanya, Whitaker has been perfect at middleweight and is still very much a part of the title picture, currently sitting as its number one contender. Number 7. Jan Blachowicz After making his UFC debut coming into the promotion as the reigning KSW light heavyweight champion, Jan Blachowicz would score a TKO victory via body kick in a solid win over Alir Latifi on the undercard of Fight Night Stockholm. He then went on to lose four of his next five fights. Yikes. After rebounding with four straight victories that included three performance bonuses over the likes of names like Jared Cannonier and Jamie Minowa, Jan was TKO'd by a surging Tiago Santos and a title eliminator. It's at this point following the disappointing loss that Blachowicz would have his level up moment when he was selected to welcome former middleweight champion Luke Rockhold to the division at UFC 239. Rockhold would be the betting favorite going into the bout, and rightfully so, but that's only because we weren't aware we were witnessing the birth of legendary Polish power. Bohovic destroyed the former champion with a bonus-earning KO finish in the second round. The only ever KO victory Jan had before this was a head kick in 2010 at KSW 13. Next, Bohovic would score a victory over Jacare, then again find a KO, this time against the surging Corey Anderson. There are levels to this, and Jan had reached a new one. With JBJ vacating his title to fight at heavyweight, the door was open for a new champ, giving Bohovic yet another opportunity to demonstrate Polish power when he TKO'd Dominic Reyes to capture the gold. His most impressive win could be his super fight with Israel Adesanya. Number 6. TJ Dillashaw before you quickly scroll to the comment section to make an EPO joke, I know how Dillashaw leveled up. EPO, am I right, guys? I did it for you. Yuck yucks aside, though, Dillashaw's growth as a fighter, with all due respect to performance enhancers and the wonders they can create, has a lot more to do with Dwayne Ludwig than it does with any kind of illicit substance. Dillashaw came into MMA a stud athlete. He'd had a solid D1 wrestling career, joined Team Alpha Male in 2009, got himself on the Ultimate Fighter, but came up short against John Dotson in the final. He had some of the pieces, but he didn't have all of them, mainly world-class striking. As a matter of fact, he's only a official KOTKO victory prior to Banks showing up at TAM was a Capital Fighting Championship in 2010. It was early 2013 when Ludwig came on as head coach for Alpha Male, and of all his students, Dillashaw took to Dwayne like Tom Brady to Bill Belichick, like Kobe Bryant to Phil Jackson, like Little Mac to Doc Lewis. He had the advanced striking game that TJ needed to bump up to the next level, and a year into his tenure, he would get the opportunity of a lifetime, a short-notice title bout with one of the pound-for-pound best fighters in the world, Hennen Barrow, in one of the greatest upsets in MMA history. History, Dillashaw decimated Barrow, ending the fight with a fifth-round TKO. TJ and Bang would remain together even after they parted ways with Alpha Male, and Dillashaw has either been champion or a top contender ever since, minus the two-year suspension, because of the EPO. Number 5. Jorge Masvidal It's amazing what a little time off can do. Jorge Masvidal was not supposed to be the biggest star of 2019. Coming into that fateful year, Gamebred was 32-13. and 13. He'd been in the fight game since 2003. In all that time, he'd only ever fought for a title in one major promotion and came up short. Four of his five UFC losses were split decisions. After a year and a half out of the octagon having dropped two straight prior to that, Masvidal was on the road to obscurity fast. But during that time away, Jorge would save his career in the most unusual of methods. A three-month stint filming a reality show for Telemundo in the Dominican Republic. 90 days without a phone, without the internet, nothing but his thoughts. Masvidal credits this time with saving his career. He went back through all of his losses in his head and determined that the judges couldn't be part of the equation anymore if he was going to win. He would need to finish, baptize his opponents as he called it, make moves, be more aggressive. Nobody had any expectation of Masvidal beating Darren Till in London when he returned. Till was fresh off a title challenge to Tyron Woodley, considered a bit premature, but everyone saw him as the future, not so much
much per game, Brett. That was until he KO'd the gorilla, absolutely stunning the MMA world. Backstage, he would get fans buzzing again following an altercation with Leon Edwards, and you know the rest. Three-piece in the soda, the fastest KO in UFC history, the BMF belt, a welterweight title shot, maybe a second welterweight title shot. Next time you're in a rut, go do a reality show. Number 4. Robbie Lawler In 2002, a 20-year-old Robbie Lawler had a promising start in his UFC career, winning three straight with two finishes. However, the young gun from Militich Fighting Systems would lose three of his next four bouts, getting finished in each of his losses, ending his time with the promotion. In 2004, nobody could have possibly predicted that Lawler would return after an MMA odyssey that spanned a decade to capture UFC gold. After bouncing around for a few years and becoming Elite XC middleweight champion, Robbie was absorbed into Strike Force when the promotion imploded. With a much deeper talent pool, Lawler struggled, losing four of six bouts in the promotion's middleweight division, including a title fight with Jacare Souza. For the second time in his career, the promotion he was fighting for got absorbed by a stronger company. Lawler would return to the UFC after nine years away and made a few major changes. He bumped back down to welterweight and left Militich for American Top Team. After TKOing Josh Koscheck in his return at UFC 157 to earn knockout of the night, Robbie would defeat Bobby Volker via KO and then score the biggest win of his career, a split decision over the surging Rory McDonald, to earn himself a shot at the vacant title. Lawler would come up short in his first attempt, but claim the gold later that year and go on to have two of the most epic title defenses in MMA history before dropping the strap. Number 3. Boss Rutan Imagine being an MMA pioneer during the early 90s, but you're a striker and not a grappler. It would not turn out too well for most. Sure, you're a second-degree black belt in karate, that's great, but if someone gets you in a knee bar, they might as well have used magic to tear your ACL, because you're not going to be able to explain what the hell happened either way. Boss Rutan entered Pancrase in 1993, having very little training in the way of shoot fighting, and three bouts into his career, he was met with a toehold loss to the founder of the promotion, Masakatsu Funaki. To help him get a better grasp on the ground game, Rutan began recording in reviewing his training sessions and hired Funaki to train him in shoot fighting. Following a string of successes, including a submission win, Boss would face another setback in the form of Ken Shamrock, who would defeat him via rear naked choke. This forced Rutan to abandon striking in his training altogether because he was already really good at that, but he kept getting tripped up by these damn submissions. Later that year, Rutan would lose a controversial majority decision to Frank Shamrock and then get submitted a second time by Ken and about for the King of Pancrase title. By this point, he was solely training submissions three times a day. That's when things turned. Rutan would win seven of his next eight via sub, he would avenge his loss to Frank Shamrock twice, avenge his loss to Funaki, become the three-time King of Pancrase Openweight Champion, never lose another fight again in his entire career that spanned over 20-plus bouts, retiring with more submission wins than KO TKOs. I'd say he finally picked up on this mixed martial arts thing. Number 2. Anderson Silva It's 2003, and the greatest middleweight of all time is calling it quits before he ever even makes it 13 fights into his career. He's just embarrassingly lost to Daiju Takase at Pride 26. Anderson Silva had had enough. At the time, a shoot-a-box product, things were simply not gelling for the future GOAT with the legendary team. Their style and their philosophy wasn't getting the best out of Silva. There were sparks of his brilliance, but something was just not clicking, and following the Takase fight, Anderson didn't really see any more options or room for growth. Then the Noguera brothers swooped in and changed the Spider's mind, encouraging him to come over to Brazilian top team. From there, minus two fluky losses, Silva would transform into the world beater who entered the UFC and absolutely demolished Chris Lieben in a title eliminator. The Crippler having gone unbeaten with five wins since entering the UFC. Anderson came into the promotion as Cage Rage Middleweight Champion. In just three years' time, with a new team and six victories, Silva went from the end of his road to a UFC title fight against Rich Franklin, another bout he would absolutely dominate. We all know the rest of the story. The Spider would ascend to heights only reached by a few beyond that point, but he credits the Nogueras for saving his career, and given the transformation that took place, I would say that is an understatement. 
Number 1. Amanda Nunes Everyone on this list leveled up in ways that were massive and unexpected, but only one fighter went from middle-tier talent to the greatest ever, and that is Amanda Nunes. At one point losing 3 of 6 to Alexis Davis, Sarah Elio, and Kat Zingano in Strikeforce, Invicta, and the UFC respectively, there was certainly not any expectation that the Lioness was somehow bound to be the greatest female fighter of all time. But a major change came in her fight career when she joined Super Gym American Top Team in 2014. Following the loss to Zingano, Nunes would put together 3 wins in including a decision over Valentina Shevchenko, a win at the time that didn't register how it does today. Going into her first title opportunity against Misha Tate, Amanda was the underdog. When she brutalized and choked the champion in just over three minutes, you would think at that point the community would have noticed the transformation. But the win would line Nunez up with a returning Ronda Rousey, and she would be largely forgotten in the build-up to the bout, especially by the UFC's marketing that focused heavily on their cash cow. Amanda completely dismantled the rowdy one in 48 seconds. People finally started taking notice. Even then, the scope of her greatness wasn't fully understood, but titles held in two weight classes to this day and six more championship victories since the bout with Ronda, including the first real defeat of Chris Cyborg, have put Nunez at the top of the all-time heap with very few arguments for anyone else. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Huge shout out to the legendary once and future King Tomas Welsh for editing this video together. Follow him on Instagram at BigBeatVisual. That's beat as in the band from Doug and not a forceful strike. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.